Well, the Pac-12 has a chance to get in the college football playoff, but uh, what about the rest of the bowl games? Could they have two teams in the New Year's Six games this year? Maybe. You are locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked on Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thanks so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with all things about the Pac-12. Like, comment, subscribe, please, if you haven't already, wherever you're listening to or watching the show, which today is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between... Well, there's a lot of matchups to watch. Whoever your favorite team is, whoever they're playing, the biggest one in the Pac-12, of course, being Oregon and Washington right here on Sling. The TV you love for a price you love, try it today. You notice I probably cut myself off just a a little bit in that intro using a different streaming service here because we want the best connection possible for my guy Carter Baines of BeaverBlitz.com to talk about everything going down in the Pac-12. I've seen all your comments about that. We're, We're always working. We're always trying. This is our latest iteration. We're switching streaming services here. We're just making it work. But Carter, regardless, we're always ready to talk Pac-12. Are we not? And we're hopping over to my happy place here on the on the other <laughs> streaming service, the one that I use on the regular. So I'm a little bit more at home as well, too. Um, yeah, hopefully you, everyone can hear me and I'm not all choppy and on the video side, nothing's laggy. I, I don't know what what the deal is. We've tried pretty much everything in our past. Yeah, we, we're 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 at our we're at our wits end. So hopefully it goes well today. But the, the Pac-12, I think, ha, has a really good looking shot at the playoff at, at the moment. It's all contingent. Everything is upon having a one loss conference champion. But you've got three teams right now that could conceivably do that. And I, I feel bad for Utah because they had those expectations coming into the season. I still think they're a good enough team to be in that playoff discussion. I still think they could beat Oregon. I still think they could win the Pac-12. I'm not saying they will, but I think they could. But they just had that unfortunate loss to Florida. If that goes the other way, there's four teams that could get it. But nevertheless, there are three. But an interesting thought, and I gave you credit for getting my mind going in in, in this particular direction, is let's say the Pac-12 gets a team into the playoff. Let's say, Maybe even if they don't. We know whoever wins the conference regardless will play in the Rose Bowl. But I could see a number of scenarios playing out where you've got two Pac-12 teams playing in New Year's Six Bowls this year because that's the position the conference is currently in with USC, UCLA, and Oregon. And I think it's the most likely if Oregon and USC meet in the Pac-12 title game. You know, you get your two highest-ranked teams at that point into the title, whether the winner goes to the playoff or the Rose Bowl. I think that the odds are extremely likely that the Pac-12 does get two teams into the New Year Six just because you're essentially guaranteed a spot if you finish the season in the top 12. And a two-loss Oregon team or a you know a two-loss USC team that makes it to the Pac-12 title game and one of those losses is to each other, a top 10 team at that point, you know, the resume there is enough to keep you in the top 12, I would assume, especially if you're losing to a team that is qualifying for the playoffs. So I am... You know, the the last couple of weeks, as, as I've been looking through the bull selection process and uh, some of the predictions that are out there and, and making my own, 
I, I have thought for a few weeks now that it's fairly likely that the Pac-12 gets a couple of teams in the national spotlight there in the New Year Six. And I think as the season progresses and these teams just continue to win, the likelihood becomes stronger. And I'm with you as well on it being Oregon and USC the most likely to generate that tandem because the loser of the Pac-12 championship game would probably, if it's Oregon and one of the LA schools, would be 11-2. and two. And if you don't think that that what we're talking about is possible here by the time the season comes to a close, ask yourself this question. How often has an 11-2 and two Power 5 football team not gotten an at-large bid to, to a New Year's Six game? So I don't know where the playoff sites are this year, but of course there, there are other big bowl games for, for a Pac-12 team to try to showcase itself. And by the way, because I'm always forward thinking and you know pondering the, the thoughts that will come into your heads or perhaps into the comments section on YouTube, I do think it matters how often the Pac-12 gets a chance to play on the national stage when you're trying to continue to build up the conference's reputation. I know, you know, the teams involved USC and UCLA, but look at it. Let's say you have, uh, let's say USC and Oregon went out and they meet in the PAC 12 championship game. And then USC beats Oregon and maybe they go to the playoff. If Oregon is then there playing in a big game, that's a better look for the PAC 12, right? Because you have an opportunity to play a high quality opponent you're going to have a lot of people watching that game. And if you can win, if you're George Klyovkov, that's always what you want. Sure, you know, there's little bits of money that factor into it as well. But I don't think at this point, with the Pac-12, who hasn't won a bowl game in the last two seasons, by the way. Last time the conference had a bowl victory was Oregon's Rose Bowl win over Wisconsin in, in 2020, after the 2019 regular season. And when you're talking about these conferences and how strong they are and how weak they are and whatnot and all that sort of discussion, I don't think you can overlook the fact that a legitimate punch, proverbially, of course, that people throw is that Pac-12 hasn't won a bowl game in the last couple of years. They're behind other conferences. I think that's a very real conversation to have. Peach Bowl and Fiesta Bowl are the playoff bowls this year. I just pulled that up. Um, so essentially guarantees, I mean, not necessarily, it doesn't entirely guarantee it, but it's pretty likely we'll see a Pac-12 team in the Rose Bowl. Uh, usually the only time that doesn't happen is when the Rose Bowl is part of the playoff. But even if Oregon or, or USC get into the pack or the, the college football playoff, you know, it's not entirely unlikely that you would see the runner up of, of the Pac-12 get into the Rose. We've seen that happen before, haven't we? I, I believe I want to. Mm, who played in the Rose Bowl when Oregon and Washington went to the playoff? I, I can think of one year where it was like a, a Big 12 and Big 10 team that played, and I can't remember what the circumstances were. I think it was like a TC. I don't TC, think it's a guarantee TC. that they would take the runner-up, but I, part of me feels like we've seen that before. I, so I so in 2000, so Stanford did go in 2014, or no, 15 is when Oregon went to, is went to the playoff, and that game was at the Rose Bowl. So then 16 was when they went there, and Stanford did go to the Rose Bowl, and they played Iowa. But Washington was the team that got into the, the college football playoff. Okay. So, so, th so that, ha that has happened before. I think that's really likely. And I love the history of the Rose Bowl. I mean, it's the best. If you're not in the college football playoff, getting to a major bowl game, I think can do good things for your program. Obviously not as much as, you know, potentially playing in the program. I think there is an interesting debate and I know that Oregon fans are having this pretty often. Is it better to go and play in a great game in the Rose bowl 
or go get blasted in the college football playoff? Look it's at a tough. It's a it, it, it's a tough question to answer, and I that's where I jump to. Like, would it have been better if Utah had been, you know, able to win a couple of those games early, gotten into the playoff, and then probably been blown out by Georgia? Like, I, I don't know. They went there and they almost beat Ohio State, and it was it was pretty respectable, and and then some. Yeah, and I think we heard that conversation continue into the off season too about. You know, the, the, some of the national pundits were like, hey, remember what Utah just did in the Rose Bowl? Like, that yep. was Rose Bowl we'll never forget. Like, I know that they came up short against Ohio State, but, I mean, everybody for months after that game game even were, was talking about how good Utah looked and how Utah has arrived because they finally made a Rose Bowl and because they looked good in doing it. Right. And I don't think we're talking about that into June if they go and lose by 40 to Georgia in the college football playoff semifinals. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I have one more thought on that as well with regards to getting in the playoff versus playing in a, a big time at New Year's Six or a really good bowl game. You know, like I or the Cotton Bowl is among the New Year's Six now, right? Cotton yes. and Peach were, and, were were the additions. Yeah, and that's the most likely if if two Pac-12 teams get into the New Year's Six and one of them is not in the playoff. Pac-12 team would most likely go to the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, but uh, there's another thought that, that I want to share with all of you after I talk to you all about Simply Safe. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. If you've thought about securing your home with home security, you've got to get Simply Safe. You've been putting it off. This is the direction that you want to go. This is their biggest offer of the year. Locked on Pac-12 listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get the priority police response. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that I recommend, Carter 2. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/lockedoncollege. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com/lockedoncollege. There's no safe like Simply Safe. The other thought that popped in my head when talking about the, the New Year's Six Bowl and you know Utah being there and that legitimizing them in the eyes of many, which I completely agree with, is could you make the case, Carter, it's more valuable for a team like Utah that was a Pac-12 expansion team, formerly in the Mountain West. Now, they played in the Sugar Bowl you know, back in their Mountain West days, but since they'd gotten to the Pac-12, that was the first time they'd won the conference, first time they'd played in the Rose Bowl ever. Do you think it's more valuable for a school like that than say a USC or an Oregon who have, you know, played in national championship games, obviously USC has, has won several of them. Like if the Trojan, like let's say Oregon wins out and goes to the playoff, which I don't think is super likely, but let's just say hypothetically that takes place. They beat USC and the Trojans get to go to the Rose bowl. Do you think USC fans are excited about the opportunity to play in that game after the down years that they've had? Or do you think that it would be more, well, this isn't really what we are, are wanting to eventually accomplish with Lincoln Riley? Because they did play in that great Rose Bowl game against Penn State, and it gave a little bit of fodder to the idea that, oh, well, now USC is back. Yeah, this year in particular, I think USC fans would be, I mean, I can't speak for the fan base, and I know that they have extremely high and, and sometimes outrageous expectations for the program. Uh, but this year, it, it feels like as they continue to build their way back up, a, a Rose Bowl would be, I mean, like, I, I think they would take a Rose Bowl. You know, I, I think they'd take an appearance. I think they'd take a Rose Bowl win. Um, obviously, the end goal for any national contender now is to make the playoff. And that's, we could go in depth on that and and how we, we 
have delegitimized bowl games and how bowl season means nothing and how the college football playoff is is the is the talk of of the world and not these traditionally great bowl games like you won't hear that from me carter you will not hear any of that fodder from me yeah exactly no i'm i'm still uh you know, I I love the college football playoff. Don't get me wrong, but I I am here. I for love bowl every season. Single bowl game. I'm here yes. for the I'm here for the Gasparilla Bowl. I'm here for the <laughs> Bad Boy Mowers Bowl. I mean, bring them on. You know, give give me all of these bowl games. Give me the matchups between Conference USA and the Sun Belt. I mm-hmm. I love every bit of it. And to me, maybe this is just being you know an, an Oregon State uh, homer who has not seen a whole lot of bowl games in in recent history who has not lived through a Rose Bowl for for the team I cover. Um, But I think all of these games have meaning. And particularly for teams that are on the rise or who have not been to these games in a while, they still have a lot of meaning. And and maybe the opt-outs would tell you otherwise. And maybe the fact that ESPN's only talking about the college football playoff on game days tells you otherwise. But I still think to, to the true diehard college football fan, these games mean a lot, and if USC goes to the Rose Bowl, that fan base should be ecstatic about it. I'm with you that it does mean more for some programs than others because depending on the bowl game, it can be disappointing. Right? Like, right? like Ohio State didn't want to be playing in the Rose Bowl a year ago. They had a bunch of opt-outs, and it was still an awesome game. And I think the fact that they performed that well and showcased the talent that they had on the roster behind the guys who who decided not to play, which I just don't. I, I guess I understand it at some level, but man, <laughs> I'm I'm just of the generation. But so are these kids who are a little bit younger that grew up watching these big games and a chance to play in the Rose Bowl. I don't know how you could decide not to do that. The smaller bowls, like. Okay, I guess I understand, but I'm with you that winning that game and ending the season on that note can mean a lot for how you build a a program. And it's not that it's entirely determinate of whether or not you're going to continue to have success, but it certainly doesn't hurt. You'd rather win. You get a little bit more money, a little bit more momentum. You're playing on, on national TV Right, because these bowl games are still all televised and they run. I mean, I, I love watching the bowl games because I'm just a college football junkie. Maybe I'm old school. Maybe we're just old school guys as young guys, Carter. We're just we're just old school in that sense, and maybe we sound like guys, you know, banging on the table. Back in my day, we didn't we didn't delegitimize anything. But I remember when I was younger, and I remember watching Jeremiah Masoli truck and Oklahoma State safety in the Holiday Bowl, and Oregon won that game, and it was awesome. And it was fun. And I wanted them to keep growing as a program, but like it's about the building blocks and such. And I think that's why there are probably some USC fans who say, no, if you don't get in the playoff, you don't get to a national championship, then then it's not successful. And to them, I'd say, did you really just not enjoy that Rose Bowl game at all? And from a conference perspective, bowl season is huge. Like commissioners do not want to see the best players in their league opting out of these games because they want to put up a good record. And it has hurt the Pac-12, as we talked about earlier, to have not won a bowl game. I mean, that like that's bad. I think they've taken a major step forward this year. Oregon is much better. USC, a big turnaround. Washington way improved. UCLA has taken that, that step into that upper echelon of teams in the conference. I, I think they've done a lot of things right on, on that particular front. We do kind of maybe sound a little get off my lawny when we talk about this, but I, I think it's 
you know, college football changes so often, and, and we're going to have another discussion in a couple of years from now when we go to a 12-team playoff, and maybe this <laughs> means a little bit less then. But now, here we are still in, in 2022 with four teams getting into the playoff. There are 127 other teams in college football that will not make the playoff, and most of them are going to be playing in bowl games in about a month and a half. Mm-hmm. And I have to think that, you know, for 127 teams who are looking – at the college football playoff on TV in January. Sure, they're going to be thinking, man, I wish we were there, but are any of them going to regret playing in a bowl game? Like, I don't think so, especially if it's a New Year's Six game, especially if you win your conference and you go to the Rose Bowl, or if if you're a conference runner-up and you still get this awesome reward of, of going to the Cotton Bowl. Like, these are huge games that 10 years ago, Everyone would be talking about these things all year saying, man, I want to go to a New Year's Six game. I want to go to back then a BCS game. It's it's unfortunate that we're at a point now where so much of the conversation is around the college football playoff. And it makes sense because it's, you know, that's how we determine a champion in this sport. But there are only so many teams that can get into that thing. And for everyone who can't and for everyone who won't, I don't think that diminishes at all an appearance in, you know, a in any postseason game, really. I mean, you earned it. That's what you played the game yeah, for. That's exactly. exactly why you played a 12 yep. game regular season is to position yourself to play in a big game at the end of the year. And and you get a chance to showcase your skills against a team from another conference and play someone who you may be playing for the first time. You may never play again. There can be great games, exciting finishes, a lot of stuff. I remember the the Alamo Bowl in what was it? 2012, Washington at Baylor. It's one of the greatest college football games of the last decade. Are we going to just say, like, oh, no, it wasn't that fun because it was just the Alamo Bowl? No, it was just fun. And and by the way, that's another component that we'll wrap up on this thought and get to uh, the Beavs and a little bit of, of Washington talk ahead of their showdown with Oregon this week. But the other thing, too, is at the end of the day, college football is fun, right? And you only get so many chances of fan base each year. Like, if you're poo-pooing bowl season, like, no, this game doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything like that. Don't you want to watch your team play? Don't you want to watch your team? Like, you having that emotional connection there. Regardless of, you know, if you're playing in a lower-tier bowl, well, you probably didn't have national championship aspirations in that particular season anyway, unless you're Texas A&M. But I, I, I think that that was a completely warranted shot at the Aggies, who are a dumpster fire at, at, at the moment. But at the end of the day, going to bowl games, if you're in the right city, can be really, really fun. Part of part of a fun weekend. You can see players. You can see friends. You can meet. It's just it's fun. I'm I'm 100% pro bowl season, and I'm 100% anti college football playoff expansion. Every time I hear the term 12 team playoff, ugh, ugh, it's, it's repulsive. It's just it's absolutely absolutely terrible. Which is probably how Carter felt a little bit on Friday night, and we have to we have to get into his brain about that one because he has many thoughts. I am short, and I have a couple questions. I want his thoughts. We'll get to all of that, but. Can we pause the pod for just a second? Okay. We're paused. We're not actually paused, but we're like kind of paused. Great. Because you got to try this. I'm talking about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors. Listen up, everybody. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, white chocolate peppermint granola. If you think it's too early for the holidays, I might agree with you. Until I have anything peppermint related, aside from my morning tea, in which case, mm, I don't know. Kind of gets the Christmas vibes off and rolling. Go get yours now. Get 15% off 
by using the code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. That's 15% off your next order of Built Bars covered in 100% real chocolate, loaded with 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories. Built.com, promo code LOCKEDON15. Okay, Carter. So this is a uh, this is a free space to vent as you would like for what happened on Friday night. The Beavs were my only outright loser this week on Monday's show, meaning that not only did they lose the game, but that it felt like a situation where the fans were going to be especially disappointed. This is Wednesday's show. It's Tuesday evening. It's kind of like pre-evening, pre-evening, and whatnot as we're recording. I don't know. Anyway, it's Tuesday. Call that the afternoon. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. But when does evening be? I don't know. Anyway, so I have to imagine that that loss is still stinging at least a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong, but you and I talked about going in. That was the biggest game for Oregon State and Jonathan Smith's tenure. That was the biggest game for the Beavs football program in about a decade. They were in the top 25 and the college football playoff rankings. I believe it was the first time ever they were in the CFP rankings in the AP top 25 for the first time in nine years, and you come up three points short. What was your biggest takeaway from that game? Not even the the way that Oregon State lost or the fact that the Beavers lost, but just what that does for the rest of the season, I, I think, is what makes it so disappointing for Oregon State fans. And and I have to imagine, to an extent, for everybody who was on the sideline and in the locker room after that game, the stakes were so much higher than anything Oregon State has had at this point in the season in the last decade that if you lose that game, you know, you see you see your path to the the Pac-12 title game, which was not really going to happen, but still mathematically possible. You see that go away. You see your shot at maybe, you know, getting into, we're talking about bowl season, getting into the Vegas bowl or, or jumping up to the holiday bowl. You see that fall off the table. Now you're playing for the sun bowl at best, most likely. Um, you see a, a potential 10 win regular season fall off the board. You see a three game losing streak snapped. You see all of this momentum that you winning built. streak, but yeah, we get the idea. Sorry, yeah, I that's what I meant. Um, <laughs> you hope it doesn't trigger a three game losing streak. Maybe that's just the the Oregon State in me um, <laughs> defaulting to losing. I I don't know. Um, can't remember where I was in in that train of thought, but I just yeah. Oh, the the rankings too. I mean, Oregon State wins that game. It's a top twenty team, which again, we're talking about things that haven't happened in a decade. It, just, it feels like all of that momentum was lost and Oregon state fully expects, I, I think, and the fan base expects to beat California this weekend to go on the road to ASU next weekend and come out with a win there. And it just felt like, you know, if Oregon state beats Washington, it's kind of on the home stretch there could potentially win a bunch of games, maybe crack as, as high as the top 15. And all of a sudden Oregon state's in the national picture here, but all of that is off the table now. You know, the Beavers aren't going to, sneak into the rankings until maybe Oregon week. Um, and, and that's they could the Beavers win the next two games. I mean, I, I, it, I could, I could see that happening by the way, you win the next two, one of them's on the road, eight and three with, with a tight loss to us. They, they'd have a case. It'd probably be an instance where they're getting votes and they're not quite into it, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if they're back there. Problem is right now too, Oregon state doesn't really have a quality win on its resume. I mean, you could look at Boise state maybe, but that was a much different team in week one than it is now. Fresno State, I, I suppose they're playing a lot better now that Hayner's back, but they haven't beaten really a, a quality Pac-12 team this year. 
their non-conference was tough and they they went undefeated there but like i said you know those teams are are looking a little different now than they did at that point in the season and it, they're okay it feels like yeah it, it feels like oregon state's resume and and the reason it's still receiving votes in the top 25 is because it has really quality losses but it hasn't beaten anyone that we didn't expect them to which feels weird to say about an oregon state team which is always good for an upset or two every year but you know, that Washington game felt like that quality win opportunity and, and felt like, you know, another monkey Oregon State needed to get off its back losing in, in Seattle year after year after year. Um, that's, uh, again, where a lot of the disappointment comes from. It, it, it felt like that opportunity to say, hey, we've got something real on our resume now. Give us a little more respect. And they squandered it. By the way, it would technically be losing in Seattle every other year after every other year after every other year, of of, of course. Um, I was just trying to drown out your sorrows there with yeah. something that could that could make you chuckle. I think I think I succeeded. They I, did I, beat Washington and Corvallis in 2021. So correct. the losing streak in general to Washington had already been snapped, but they right. hadn't won at Husky Stadium, I, I believe, since... Man, I want to say like 2010 or something like that. It's it, It's been a while. I want to talk about a couple things that transpired in that game. The third down defense was abysmal, and that was mostly because of a lack of a pass rush. The secondary had a bus on third and goal from the 24. I still don't understand how that happens. I, I, I don't know how you don't plant your feet on the five-yard line with three defenders and say, literally complete anything in front will give you 15 yards, and you're still going to kick a field goal here. That was a mishap. But I want to ask you about those fourth downs, Carter, because I didn't like the first one. I, I was fine with the second one because it was a little bit longer of a field goal try and the wind was really howling. And I like I, I understand that. But to me, and I felt this way in a number of games this season. I felt this way when Oregon was playing Cal, by the way, who's not as good a team as, as Washington. When you are on the road and you drive down into the red zone, it is disappointing to get stalled out. Yes, it's even more disappointing to walk away with no points. And the Beavs had a chance to take an early 10-0 lead, and they opted to go for it, and Jack Coletto rarely got stuffed. Doesn't happen very often. It did in that particular moment. I love the the wrinkle they came with later where Coletto shifted and it was a lead block. It was a really great play to watch. But overall, I was okay with the second one. I was not okay with the first one. You have a chance against the Huskies on the road take a 10 nothing lead there's something about being up two possessions that made me say you got to just kick a field goal there so that's interesting to me because i'm kind of reversed i i was more okay with the first one than the second and and these were on consecutive drives um you know back to back offensive possessions for oregon state first one being a fourth and one and i i know i mean it's literally a chip shot field goal you're standing on the 7 yard line um that thing's a, a borderline gimme even in that wind um, his extra points looked fine. It is yeah. barely longer than that. I think yeah. he would have been fine. So my thinking on this, and this has been the case for, for quite some time now is if you have Jack Coletto on your sideline, a fourth and one, regardless of where you're at on the field, you could be on your own 35 Oregon state could be at its own 45 Jack Coletto in a one yard situation is just absolute money. Like, his conversion rate on that is so much higher than even attempting that field goal. Um, he's like Taysom Hill. Exactly. I mean, I mean, he's almost automatic and 
it's unfortunate actually that Oregon State was in a fourth and one on that first that first play because it had a third and one on the play before Coletto actually slipped and, and missed a block and there were a couple other guys that missed blocks and and, and the Beavers were held, were held for no gain. I felt like the Beavers there was no way they were not going to come up with a yard two times in a row and so I said you know I understand wanting to take points here um, but I was I was perfectly fine with them leaving the offense out there on on that one just because of the yardage to gain. Now, the second one, a fourth and three-ish, a, a long three, um, kind of on the edge of probably where you feel comfortable because you're kicking into the wind towards the lake there. It would have been about a 30-yard field goal, which is no gimme, but with Everett Hayes healthy again, I think you have to like his odds of making that. Um, fourth and three felt like, okay, we don't always trust Jack Coletto to pick up three yards. You know, he was good for one or two, but three is usually gravy. And the play that they designed for that was kind of a, you know, a, a naked to Martinez out of the backfield, I believe it was. And, and Goldbranson overthrew him on the run. And it, it didn't feel like a great play design for a fourth and three going into the wind. Um, I felt like the fact that the Beavers had been stopped on the first one, you know, you, you didn't get points there. The second one felt like, hey, we cannot come up empty twice in a row. You know, that's where I'd like to see Oregon State kick the field goal. And and Smith again talked about, you know, the three points is not guaranteed. If you don't get it, it's almost like you missed the field goal. But I just felt like if, if you came up empty on the first one, you got to try to take points on the second one. And, and they were a little too aggressive for my liking there. Real quick. As you look forward for the rest of the season for for the Beavs, I, I still think they're going to end up eight and four. I I think they'll beat Cal, I think they'll beat Arizona State, and then Oregon is just. I mean, we'll see how the Ducks are playing, but they're really really humming right now. And I think a loss like this does leave your locker room at least mildly more defeated. But how optimistic do you feel the Beavs could could win out or at least get to eight wins? Eight wins, I think, is uh, it should be the expectation. California comes into Research Stadium on a five-game losing streak, hasn't won since September. I know it gave USC a scare last week, but um, I, I think we'd be lying to ourselves if we thought the Golden Bears were going to come into Research Stadium, a place where no opponent has scored 17 or more than 17 points, where Oregon State has only, won, or only lost one game in the last two seasons. I, I don't see that happening. And I think Oregon State going down to ASU – you know, that's a spot going into the year that we felt the Beavers could take advantage of late in the year if things had unraveled, and they certainly have in Tempe. So I, I think the Beavers will be favored going into that ASU game, regardless of what happens against California. And then you get that that big-time matchup at Reeser against Oregon, which Oregon will be favored, and, and they're the better team. But it feels, it feels borderline coin-flippy because it's in Reeser. You know, the Beavers have played so well at home. Um, and I think they match up pretty well against the Ducks with that secondary going up against Oregon's passing attack that the Beavers will have a very real shot to win that game. And so between those three coming out with two wins, that feels like the expectation. That feels like the floor for the Beavers. So eight or nine wins, again, still very much on the table. And you will take that 10 times out of 10 if you're an Oregon State fan. Still plenty to play for for Oregon State and still plenty of opportunities to bring on my guy Carter Baines of BeaverBlitz.com where he's a senior writer and 
editor. Appreciate the time as always, my man. I appreciate all of you out there for listening to or watching the show. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.